Welcome to the Essential Geopolitics podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. After four and a half years, it looks like the Brexit saga may be nearing an end. Or is it? For guidance, I turn to Stratfor's senior European analyst, Adriano Bissoni. Hey, Adriano. Hey, Emily. Nice talking with you again. You too. So let's hop right into this. Free trade negotiations. What's going on? Well, it looks like after almost 10 months of very intense negotiations, the EU and the UK are finally making progress. Um, Since early March, there have been two significant obstacles to a free trade agreement. Number one is the so-called level playing field issue. We need to keep in mind that the EU wanted the UK to remain aligned with um, single market regulations and norms after it exits the single market on January the 1st, whereas the UK was saying, we are not going to do that. We left the EU precisely to be free to um, produce our own legislation, our own norms, so we are not going to do that. And then there was the other issue, which is fishing rights. Um, The EU wants its fishermen to be able to fish in UK waters after Brexit, whereas the UK is saying, well, no, it's our waters and and we will not let you do that. Um, So these have been the two main obstacles for, again, almost 10 months. And apparently in in recent days, after so many deadlines, and it's been kind of an emotional roller coaster saying it will happen, it will not happen, it looks like they are making progress and it looks like a free trade agreement is close. Um, But it's interesting to keep in mind that these two issues are not uh, random issues. It makes a lot of sense for the EU and the UK to be arguing about these issues, especially the level playing field. The UK sees this as a national sovereignty issue. They left the EU in order to be able to develop their own rules, their own norms, their own standards, and they do not want to be linked to single market rules anymore. That's, that's precisely why they left the European Union. Whereas from the EU perspective, the, the, the leaders are worried that the UK could deregulate its economy so much that it could become an economic competitor rather than an ally to the bloc. They are terrified that there will be what they call a race to the bottom, lowering standards on environmental issues, workers' rights, um, state subsidies to companies. So the EU is worried that the UK could become a rival rather than a friend. So it makes a lot of sense for them to be fighting over this, especially during a pandemic where the the role of the state in the economy became a, a very big issue. And then there's the issue of fishing rights. It's one of those issues where politics trumps the economy in the sense that from a purely GDP perspective, fishing is not really that important. But of course, from a political and social point of view, this is a big deal, especially for coastal communities in the UK, but also in countries like um, Spain, France, Belgium, uh, who have fishermen operating in British waters. So this is mostly a a political issue. But those two issues make a lot of sense considering the, the situation. Having said all this, it looks like there will probably be a free trade agreement in in early 2021, which is good news for both economies. But I thought the deadline was December 31st. What happens if there is not a deal by December 31st? 
If there is not a deal by December 31st, the UK will exit the EU single market without a free trade agreement and from January the 1st, they will have to start trading with the EU using World Trade Organization tariffs, which are relatively low for manufactured products, but they are higher for uh, food products and agricultural products. So. EU imports in the UK will become more expensive and vice versa. EU, um, EU imports from the UK will also become more expensive. There will be um, border controls, there will be long queues at, at, at borders, there will be more controls on goods crossing the border, so supply chains may be disrupted. Um, and there are consequences on other areas because the EU and the UK are also cooperating on issues ranging from education to security and, 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 and sharing intelligence on, on, on the fight against crime or terrorism. So if there is not an agreement on, on, on January the 1st, then the economic ties, but also the political ties and the security ties between the EU and the UK will be heavily weakened. Having said this, there are several ways in which this could happen and there is a chance of what i call a friendly no deal in which the eu and the uk do not have a free trade agreement but they do agree to implement bilateral agreements to mitigate the economic pain a bit the eu has already proposed for example to um, continue recognizing um, british airlines so that they can still fly to the continent uh, they are also proposing to recognize um, howlers and, 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 and issue permits to, to truck companies and others crossing the border so that they can operate in the single market. They are also proposing to keep the channel um, between England and France open. So in, in a way, they are trying to m mitigate the impact on the, on the movement of goods and people. Of course, as I said before, they would have to face controls and they would have to pay tariffs when they cross the border, but they are trying to, to, to minimize the pain as much as they can. And of course, if they don't even agree on that, we could have an unfriendly no deal in which, as I said, um, the, the, the movement of um, goods, people and services would be severely disrupted. Um, one final point that I would like to make is that December 31st, is not the end of the Brexit saga. With or without an agreement, there will be unresolved issues and there will be other areas of the bilateral relationship that they will still have to, to negotiate and agree on. So, as you said, it's kind of the end of the Brexit saga, but there will be more Brexit drama in 2021 and beyond. Adriano, how's this drama over Brexit negotiations on trade impacting Eurosceptic parties in other parts of Europe? That's an interesting question because when the UK Brexit referendum happened in 2016, nationalist and Eurosceptic parties across the European Union said, we will do the same. We will push for our own referenda to exit the European Union and the Brits will prove that there is life after Brexit. Um, so, in a way, this influenced the EU's behavior vis-à-vis -vis the UK. Um, one of the goals of, of the ongoing free trade negotiations is to reach a, a free trade agreement and it's to reach um, a, a, a dynamic and, and, and mutually beneficial economic and political relationship. But a part of the calculation 
especially for countries like France and a few others, is to show their domestic audiences that exiting the EU is not easy, is not cheap, is not painless. They, they are interested in showing their domestic audiences that it, it, it's a mess. If you, if you want to exit the European Union, it's not going to be as easy as the nationalist politicians are saying. Uh, I am not saying that this is the primary goal, but it's one of the elements which explain why uh, the, the whole Brexit process, first the negotiation of the exit, which happened on January 31st, and then the negotiation on the, on the, on the free trade agreement is taking so long. The EU wants to send a message home that this is not an easy issue. Um, so we have seen nationalist parties somewhat react to that. Um, the calls for exiting the EU are not as loud in 2020 as they were in 2015 or 2016. Um, parties like France's National Rally or Italy's Northern League and other Eurosceptic parties are now focusing on issues like immigration and security and, and the Schengen area and not so much on exiting the EU because their own voters watch the news and read newspapers and they know that this is easier said than done. Having said that, if in a few years from now Brexit proves to be a success and the UK show that there is actually life after exiting the EU and that your economy can thrive and there will be new opportunities, then nationalist parties, Eurosceptic parties in other parts of Europe will definitely return to that rhetoric about following the UK and exiting the EU. Adriano Bassoni is Stratfor's senior European analyst. Adriano, thank you. Thank you, Emily. You can stay up to date on what's going on in Europe by signing up for our free newsletter. You can find details at worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.